0: Welcome to The Jesus Follower, a podcast about helping ordinary people be close to an extraordinary God. The goal, to help you experience the life you were designed to live in the good times, tough times, and in the moments that nobody else sees. All right. What a blessed time of worship this morning. We, we're going to be in the book of Luke chapter 15 this morning. And this is a this is probably a very familiar passage to you and one that you've probably read several times but really it's it's so loaded with uh, important truths from the Lord that we could spend 4 or 5 weeks really on on Luke chapter 15 starting at verse number 11 talking about the story of the prodigal son is oftentimes the way that it's known. And, and, and so today we're going to talk a little bit about that uh, and kind of see what God has to share with us. Last week I hope it was, hopefully you can remember last week we were kind of challenged with sharing our faith. Does anyone remember that? Does that ring a bell at all? All right, you're not making me feel confident. All right, so some I know some of you do. You're just being like the rain's making you kind of... So yeah, so we talked about how important it is sharing our faith uh, for Christ and, and sharing it diligently because there's a lot of lost people in the world around us. There's a lot of confusion about what it means to be a follower of Christ. How do you do that? And so how important it is that we, we don't stop short of, of really digging in and sharing our faith in Jesus Christ. And so that's what we talked about last week. Now does that ring a bell? Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. We'll get there. All right. So, so today, hopefully, it will, it will definitely ring a bell. We're, we're going we're to talk about the prodigal son and kind of carry on from where we were at last week because, you know, as, as we talk about the summer months and we think about the things coming up and the opportunities that God has for us, the one name that we want to make known in all the opportunities is the name of Jesus because Jesus is the Savior of the world. He is the great rescuer. He is the one that paid our price. And so we want to make his name known in the world. And so that's really the mission and the challenge that we have is to make the name of Jesus known. Uh, But when I was thinking about Luke 15 and and, and thinking about this, God just laid this this thought on my heart, I want to share that with you, and and it'll it'll reveal a little more about me, and and you may say, well, I know all I need to know, and I apologize ahead of time if that's the case. But... I, uh, I, you know, in Kentucky, I was blessed to be a, a bivocational pastor. And so I, I did HVAC work as well. And I did that for probably about 10 years of contracting work. And, and a lot of you know that. Uh, but, but here's the thing about uh, doing HVAC work. You get a little bit in a lot of things, but you're not really an expert in my case at any of them. Has anyone ever experienced something like that? But, but what happens is, is you start thinking you're an expert and more so than what you are in some areas. So if someone says, Hey, I got, I need help here. You're like, yeah, I mean, I can take care of that probably. Right. I mean, on an itch standard, we can probably make that happen for you. Right. But this, this particular area I was thinking about, I, I have very little experience in, but I'm really amazed at those that know how to do this. And that is auto mechanic work, working on cars. Uh, I know there's several in here, but Bud is is really excellent working on cars and uh, and to the point that, you know, sometimes because I have a little experience, I say, you know, I think I can handle this. And the other day, uh, Bud was, uh, I was working on something. I was talking on the phone with him. He said, what are you doing? i said well I'm, I'm trying to find the right size star bit to get this these these uh, screws out of it he said just quit you bring it over here you're going to tear something up and basically don't don't do it just let me help you and i was like that's probably a good point as I was trying to, you know, I could see rounding it off being in the, in the near future for me. So, uh, so he did it in like 15 minutes, but you know, it's, it's so amazing. And I grew up around mechanics and my dad, my dad was, is an excellent mechanic. He does framework and, and he knows a whole lot about what he's doing. And so it was always amazing to me because when you're, you're a trained eye like that, you can walk up to a vehicle and you don't even really have to look at it. You can see, or, or barely look at it and you can already identify the problems. Have you ever seen someone do that? Like, I know I've looked at, I've, I've had my fair share of different vehicles in my life, and Tiffany will probably amend that, and, uh, and my dad, sometimes I'll bring a vehicle to, vehicle to him, and he'll look up and he'll say, immediately he'll say, no, I don't like this. And, and I'm looking at the car, and I'm like, Dad, what are you talking about? I mean, there's no scratches, there's no rust. He's like, the, the, the gap between the bed and the cab is not right. I was like... All right, Dad. And, and, and sure enough, come to find out, the vehicle had been wrecked and, and they, didn't, they didn't repair it right. And so the gap from one side to the other wasn't like, it just, it blows my mind. Bud's the same way. Like I could be driving a car and not know there's anything wrong and Bud just listens to it and he says, hey, you need to get this fixed. And to me, that's an incredible thing because I just don't have a lot of experience with it. But I do have this desire to just go at it even though I don't know what I'm doing. Does anyone else kind of suffer from that? Yeah. Has anyone ever made some bad mistakes because you suffer from that? Yeah. Okay, Mark. I see that. I see several. Yeah. All right. So, so you all know right where I'm at, but you know, I was, I was thinking about that. And the incredible thing is, is that when it comes to a car, you know, obviously it's an inanimate object. And so if there's a problem with it, you take it to a mechanic and the mechanic looks at it and it's like, okay, here's what it is. Then we order the part and we put the part on, or we redneck the part to make, you know, whatever the case may be. And, and we, we fix the car because there's a problem. And, and, and obviously, and, and some would, would say I need to listen to this advice, but if you don't fix it, right, and you just keep driving on it, is there ever a situation where it just goes away? I mean, the part may go away, but then the rest of the car doesn't run right, right? Like, like the part may eventually fall off, but that doesn't mean it fixes the running of the car. Yes. No, it doesn't just go away, It's uh, it's it, it continues to get worse a lot of times, and it continues to cause problems uh, until you get it fixed. But in light of all of that, I was thinking about that, I don't know why that popped in my head, but I feel like it, it just popped in my head, and the reality is when it comes to our Christian life and our walk with the Lord, you know, when we talk about things like sharing our faith and sharing the gospel, I feel like a lot of times that you and I get to this place where we see that there needs to be improvement in our lives, we come face to face with the reality that there is an issue that there may be something that hinders us from being where God wants us to be but when we leave here and we don't ever fix the problem does that make sense And you know, in everything else in life, you know, you go and there are mechanics and there are experts, you know, HVAC, electricians, plumbers, you know, all these other areas we have places we go and we take them to fix them and we want the problem solved right then because we don't want it to get worse. But then so many times I feel like in Christianity what we do, and I'm speaking to myself as well, is we come face to face with something that we're struggling with, something we're not doing like we need to do, some area of our life that is is keeping us separated further from God and we leave church week after week content to allow that to remain. Does that make sense? And, and, and I, I just wonder, you know, and so many, many areas in life, I'm just like, you know, why does, why do we do those kind of things? Why do we see that and understand that and know that that's a reality? You know, when it comes to sharing our faith, I mean, I, I would hope that everyone left and was like, yeah, you know, let me go share Jesus with someone this week. And I hope that was the response, but maybe that wasn't the response. Maybe the response was we just leave here and we're just going to keep on doing the same old thing. But I want you to know I think in my life the word of doesn't the word of God challenge you? Does it challenge you? I mean, the Word of God, following Jesus is always a challenge. It's always something that says, hey, I want you to come another step. I want you to take a next step. As a matter of fact, we have a class called Next Steps, right? Like constantly this, this moving forward, this forward motion that says, I want you to be nearer. I want you to know me more. I want you to be, be- like constantly this, this forward motion to the point that we should never, and I, I've never been in a place in life I don't feel where I say, you know what? I have done all that Christ has called me to do. There's never a time on this earth that that I I believe that I'm going to experience that that I believe that any of us will experience that. And so when I came to this passage in Luke 15, you know, it was just one of those reminders of of several different things. Now, I know as we go into this, that there is a lot of different ways that we can go with this. There's a lot of different messages in this. But one of the things that I want us to to focus on is just this first part today. And we're going to look at the father and the prodigal, the father and the runaway. And I want you to see, I think God wants us to see several things about, this passage today. But one of the first things that we have to understand is who is the audience that Jesus is writing this to or speaking this to? In Luke 15, verse number one, we see that there has been a group of people that have gathered around Jesus here in verses one and two. And this is what it says. then drew near unto him all the publicans and sinners for to hear him. And the Pharisees and scribes murmured, saying, this man receiveth sinners and eateth with them. So what are the groups that are here listening to what Jesus has to say? Let's, let's say it out loud. What are the groups? Sinners and publicans and what else? The Pharisees, the religious, right? These are, these are the groups that are there listening to Jesus. So that helps us to understand, like, when Jesus says the things that he says, whose heart is this, is this hitting at, right? Like, who is he reaching out to? What are they hearing, knowing their background, knowing where they're at? What are they hearing when Jesus says these things to them? Uh, but one of the things I want you to see also is that in verse number one, then drew near to him all the publicans and sinners for to hear him. You see, they, they came and they wanted to hear him. They, they came with a purpose to actually pay attention to what he said. They came ready to hear him. You know, in Acts with the Berean believers, it was also phrased this way, that they came and they listened with a readiness of mind, it says, to Paul and Silas and what he preached. It's almost like it's this active version of listening that says, I really desire God to be where you want me to be. Like, I'm not, I'm not here today just to, just to fill a, a seed. I'm not here today just to, because I know I'm supposed to. I'm here today with my ears open and my heart open and saying, Lord, what do you have for me? They came to, they came to hear. You notice that. And, 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 and on, on the contrary, with the, the Pharisees and the scribes, what did they come to do? You can say it, it's okay, it's a safe place. They came to murmur, right? That's what my version says, that's what they, they came, he says, and and the Pharisees and scribes murmured, saying, this man receiveth sinners and eateth with them. You see, it's two different, completely different perspectives on how to approach Jesus. One came to actually hear, the other came just to be judgmental and to murmur at Jesus and what he was doing. Now, do we have all kinds of people in the church today? Yes, we do. Right, like at t- different times we do. It's okay to say that. If if if, one, if that hits you weird, then maybe it's something that God's trying to reach out to you and say, "Hey, look, we don't we don't come here to look to, to, to murmur. We come here to worship. We come here to hear what what Jesus has to say." With always this mentality of, "I want to take a next step for Him. I want to step closer to Him." You know, we're we're thinking about ministry. Why do we do ministry? We do ministry because we love Jesus and because we want to make His name known among the world. And so that's why we do ministry and so so as we as we approach these times we always want to take a step better maybe you've got really water bogged down in ministry and it's been very overwhelming but all the while your focus wasn't on him so I think the challenge today is to focus on him to to have open hearts and open minds and to say Jesus what do you want us to see from this word today and I want you to know and you may not know this about me but I'll just I'll just be honest with you I know that's a shock, right? I'll just be honest with you. I I don't ever think that God shares a word with me so that you all can just listen to it. I always believe he shares a word to be shared with you all so that he can draw you nearer to himself. I never, I never, I never come in here and thinking, thinking to myself, boy, I hope I, I I walk around like a crazy person and run all over the place and that they can just sit there and have a good, like, it's always, I want you to, I want you to draw near. I want you to see him more because I know that for you, the more that you see him, the the more intimate you draw to him, the greater that joy and peace and ministry in your life, that love is going to be for you right where you are. And the greatest thing about being a part of the family of God is being able to see Jesus, right? Isn't that the greatest thing? Uh, To be able to see Jesus work in the lives of others, to see Jesus work in your own life, uh, to to hear him and be near him. And and that's where my heart is. You know, I, I think in Hebrews chapter two, I can't remember if I shared this for Encouragement Thursday, but there may be somebody out there that didn't listen to that this week. But in verse number nine, it says this, but we see Jesus who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor that he, by the grace of God, should taste death for every man. And really the heart's desire is that for you and for me to see Jesus for his church to walk right beside of him and keep our eyes fixed on him and not to get off on so many other distractions that the world has for us. So the question today as we begin, that was the intro, maybe that was a little long, but are we guilty of being a prodigal? Is the question today out of Luke 15? Are we guilty of being a prodigal? You may say, well, I'm not as bad as the prodigal, right? Some of you may not say that. You may say, oh, if you only knew, <laughs> I'd give him a run for his money, right? Uh, but are we, are we guilty of being a prodigal? And what I mean is this, is it, it, a lot of the characteristics of the prodigal, we often think about him, his complete separation from God. But there, there are a lot of components to his life that I'm, unfortunately at times have reminded me of my life. And even though we get into there and we say, hey, well, man, he, he really blew it. He really messed it up. I can tell you from a, for, for a fact that, that I have had many moments in my life where I could look back and say, boy, I really blew it and I really messed it up. But there is a consistent thread in this story of the prodigal. Even though you got the two brothers and you got everything going on there, there is one consistent constant that is in this story and that is the father. The father is constant in this story of the prodigal, isn't he? The father never changes his approach or his perspective. The father never gets mad or gets upset or, or, or he may be disappointed, but he never, he never takes it out on his kids, right? Like he, the father is perfect in this scenario or is so, it's such a beautiful picture, isn't he? Because whether it's the one coming back or the one that's mad and just, just huffing and puffing, the father always approaches each one of them with loving arms, I feel like. Uh, The Father uh, shows us just this incredible perspective, and that's something to always keep in the back of your mind as we go through this passage today, or we begin to do that, is the picture of the Father, because here's the thing, church, the Father in this story is representation for us, isn't it? because even in those moments if we answer that question and we say hey that was me you know i was the prodigal i've went this way and that way i've constantly forsaken the direction that god wants me to go guess what the father always does he always welcomes you back doesn't he he always forgives you. He always loves you. Even to the point that you look at that and you say, I don't deserve to be loved, God. Don't you know what I've done? Have, don't, didn't you see the past year, two, three, four of my life and the direction that I was going? But you come back to the arms of the father and he greets you just like the father greets in this story of the prodigal son. He greets you with arms open, with, with love, and, with forgiveness. He greets you in all the ways that you and I say, well, we don't deserve. And once we experience that greeting, that's what makes it so powerful. When you take that to the world and you share Jesus, because it doesn't matter where anybody is, you can say there's a father that loves you. You may have went astray. You may have failed multiple times. You may have done just despicable, terrible things. But it's not more then what, what can be forgiven by the father? You know, I mean, it's such a, a beautiful picture. Let's, let's look at, at some of the characteristics and let's see where we are with this son, with this first, the youngest son. And we're not gonna get into all the details, but there are a few things that I want you to see about this. I think God wants us to see. In verse number 11, he says this. And he said, a certain man had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falleth to me. And he divided unto them his living. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together and took his journey into a far country and there wasted his substance with riotous living. So, so we have this younger son and there's a lot of implication, like there's a lot, you know, him taking his inheritance and what that means. I mean, there's a lot of things that we can look into, but the first thing that I want you to see about this is that this son seemed to be guilty of looking at other fields instead of focusing on where God had him, right? I mean, I think about this, how many of you have ever had that the grass is greener on the other side mentality? Has anyone done that? And then got to the other side and then you're like, man, somebody already got here and took that grass. Where did it go? I thought it looked so good. And then you look back and you're like, well, now that field looks better, right? And and so I feel like that with the son. Like the son, you say to yourself as we read that, why would you leave the father? Like what, what could be better than what you experience in the presence of your father? I mean, look at how he receives him. Look at what he does when he comes back. And if we know that, we say, why would you even look elsewhere? How could it be any better than that? But let me tell you, church, don't we do the same thing oftentimes? I mean, think about the moment that we get saved and we're redeemed and we, we see and we understand the power of the resurrected Savior, the power of His blood on our life, the power of that forgiveness. And all of a sudden, we experience this rush of just the greatness and the glory of God. And those new believers, oftentimes, they're so fired up. You know them, right? I mean, they just can't get enough. And they're like, what can I do more? And how can I be better? And, and they're just driven, driven, driven. And then at some place in life, oftentimes, what happens? It goes down, right? It's almost like that they enter into the presence of the Father and then they start looking around. I mean at first they don't look around at first they see it exactly for what it is and they see the beauty and they see the power and they see the majesty of God and they're rejoicing in that and they're fired up but at times it seems like what happens is is that oftentimes they are they become distracted or their attention becomes drawn away elsewhere to the point that no longer are they driven the same way that they were anymore because it's almost like they've done the same as the prodigal they begin looking at other fields They begin looking at other directions and they say, well, what about that? And what about that? And we would look at them and and those of us that that have been transformed and redeemed and, and know and see, we would be like, why would you ever leave that? Why would you ever walk away? Why would you go that direction when you've seen the Father? But so many times, isn't that the case? I mean, in our world today, isn't there so many, you know, I think about this row right here, uh, and and, and I can talk about this row right here, and, and, you know, being in the schools or being around kids, isn't there so many things in the world that wants to draw their attention to another field? I mean, to another pastor, there's so many, like, there's so much messaging that's going on in the world today, and the reality is, is that we go in sometimes and we share, and it doesn't matter their ages, they'll listen to what you share, not all the time, but a lot of times, they'll sit there in the circle, and they'll really be focused in on what you're sharing, and you're like, man, this is incredible, you are in second grade, you shouldn't be listening to me, you should be running in circles, right, but they sit there, and they listen, and it tells me that they are hungry for something, they want to to listen, they want to hear, they want to learn. But the question is, what are they going to learn? Who is going to be the one that shares with them? And as I watched, you know, uh, we, we had our last good news club this week and Miss Nancy shared Jesus with them. And as I watched these kids, 15, 16 kids in kind of a circle there, and I was watching them listen to the lesson and they were like really listening to the word. And I thought to myself, you know, that is such an incredible thing. But the question is, if we don't share with them, if we don't share the gospel, if we're not diligent for the mission that God has given us, then what field is going to try to draw their attention to it? What is going to draw them away? What direction will they end up going, church, if you and I aren't diligent to share the truth of the gospel with them? Because even as adults, our attention is drawn away. Now mind you, I, I am very much a squirrel mentality in the sense of I, I easily go from side to side and, and this way and that, but there have been times in my life where, where my attention has been completely distracted on something that's insignificant. Some materialistic item, something that I thought that I needed, something that I really wanted to chase after, and, and I have spent a lot of time and a lot of effort chasing after things that don't make a lot of difference. Is anyone, can anyone relate to that? I mean, a lot, like a lot of times, and, and I felt very convicted of that and I was very troubled by that because I think, you know, the most important thing that I can do, that any of us can do is invest in a life for Jesus, right? The most important thing we can do is spend time with God so that from the overflow, we can invest in the life of people. It's all about people. It's about leading people to Christ and into the family of God and to meet Jesus. Like, that is our mission, right? But so many times we get sidetracked on materialistic things. So many times our attention is drawn away to different fields. And this, rich, and, and this prodigal son, you know, we watch him and we say, what is wrong? Can't you see? And here's the thing. Sometimes when our vision of the father gets so cloudy, we stop looking his direction and we start looking other directions where we can see clearer. Does that make sense? So so, so sometimes I think the reality in a big way is that the people just don't see who God is, like they don't know God. And if you don't know God, there isn't that passion and there isn't that fire and there isn't that drive because you've got to see him for who he is. But we see Jesus and we see Jesus there in Hebrews 2, it says, who tasted death for all of us. In other words, he experienced death for all of us. And so for you and I in our lives as ambassadors, the one thing that needs to stay at the forefront of everything we do is Jesus he's got to be at the forefront because the moment you say the moment you lose the fire the moment you lose the sight the moment you lose the passion it's the moment that you begin to look for the other field instead of seeing the only field where you can truly find love and joy and forgiveness and satisfaction that only comes in the father You know, on Wednesday night, I'm going to start doing this with you, I think, unless the Lord changes my mind. On Wednesday night, I think it was, we learned a name for God. Let me teach you a name for God. Jehovah Sabaoth is a name for God, and it means the Lord of hosts. So the Lord of Hosts, the God of Armies, the one that's in control. Uh, but but as as I would challenge you, I would encourage you to learn the names of God. If you say, "Look, I'm, I'm reading the scripture. I don't know where I'm going. I'm just flipping here, flipping there." Let me challenge you with this. Let me give you a direction. When you get into the scriptures, look for the names of God. Look for the different ways that the people in the scripture describe who God is. Try as you go in there to get a better picture, a clearer understanding of who He is. Because the clearer your understanding of who He is is, the greater he becomes in your life and the more priority you're going to give him in every area of your life so that when you look, you are looking to him and you are satisfied with where you are because he is there instead of looking for another field to go and visit because you just get tired of where you're at. The prodigal son looked around for another field. But the grass is not greener. And we know that as I saw hands go up. We know that for a fact. Secondly, let's look at what happens. He goes and he wasted all of his stuff. In verse 13, it says, into a far country and there wasted his substance with riotous living. And in verse 14 through 16, it says that when he had spent all there... And when he had spent all, there arose a mighty famine in that land, and he began to be in want. and he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country. Pay attention to that phrase, who he joined himself to. It's very important. And he sent him into his fields to feed swine, and he would fain have filled his belly with the husk that the swine did eat, and no man gave unto him. He joined himself unto a citizen of that country. But you see as children of God we don't belong to this country. We belong to another country. How many times do you and I in a time of trouble do we go and join ourselves with someone else from this country instead of joining ourselves with the savior of the world? I mean, how many times do we so do we go just like the religiously and we gather the people that are like-minded to us, and we gather the ones that we know, and we run to the familiar faces, and we join ourselves to a country that we don't belong to, and then we find ourselves being filled with with pig scraps, which God wants so much greater for us than that, but we become satisfied there and we try to make it in a, in a life that's joined to someone of a country that you don't belong. Does that make sense? He joined himself, and when he joined himself to a person from that country, he found out that that is not the life that he wanted. He found out that they can't offer him what the Savior can offer him, what the Father can offer him. He found out that that was just scraps. He he was living on on pig slob and pig scraps. That would be what he was eating, what he was living in. But think about it, church. How many times do we walk away from God? Do we do our own thing? Do we focus on the field? And all the while God, through His Word, is crying out to you and saying I have more I have more and we say but we're joined to a citizen of this country and right now that's where we're content to dwell how, how often you know Paul says in Philippians 3 verse 20 uh, he's got a word for us about that as a, just a reminder for you and I today I think uh, Philippians three, twenty, says this and, and our conversation or uh, another word for that is our citizenship is in heaven from whence, from whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall change our vile body that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body according to the working whereby he is able even to subdue all things unto himself. Um, and, and so many times, listen, as, as, as believers, as followers of Jesus Christ, we know that we have a home being prepared for us by the Savior of the world. And so for you and I to run to somebody and, and, and join ourselves to them that's of this earth, that just doesn't seem fitting. And, and oftentimes, and we've all experienced probably, instead of running to God, we run to somewhere else. And, and when we get to that other place, we're like, this isn't what I expected it to be. Lord, I I, I I wasn't seeing it like this. And we enter that field and we're like, well, that's not what I wanted and that's not where I'm content and I, I thought it looked so great from over here and all the while in this book and if you'll just go to his throne he's saying, I want more for you I've got a greater mission I love you I want to you know he's saying crying out to us and we become content elsewhere I mean I see it you see it happen all the time people don't sink into the plan of Christ people don't sink into who he is people don't sink into to time in the word and in prayer People get content. We get content, myself included, with just, just coming and listening and going and changing nothing, going and not drawing any closer, and not ta- leaving and not ch- changing any habits. And it's like, why would you do that? You know that the Father loves you dearly. And if you ever forget that, think about the Savior that died on a cross for you and I and realize that the love for the Father is tremendous for you. But the question I have for you today is, what do you join yourself to? Because if, if you are not reading your Bible and you are not spending time in prayer and you are not faithfully serving Him, uh, then, then you're probably joining yourself to something. But the question is, what are you joining yourself to? Because there, there is nothing that you're gonna join yourself to on this earth that is gonna be anything close to comparing with what He has in store for you there, right? There is nothing that you're going to find on this earth. There's not some secret ingredient. There's not something, even though it may give an eye appeal, and you may say, hey, that looks amazing. It's nothing compared to Jesus, the risen Savior. It's nothing compared to the joy and the peace and the hope. It's nothing compared to what he has in store for his children and his followers. As a matter of fact, I give glory to his great name because when we reach that time, when it's time for us to go home, what an incredible thing to know the hope Of Jesus, and to know that this is not our end, that life will continue forever with Him. There's nowhere else on this earth that you can find that. I, 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 this, this particular, these verses just jumped out of the pages at me, I feel like in the power of his spirit, and said, look, there are people in the world that are joining themselves to citizens of this country, or things that belong here, the physical things that's going to pass away, and they hope to get satisfaction from that, but there is no true satisfaction to be found other than Jesus. Matthew 5, 6, Jesus says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled or satisfied. The only way we can be right is to know Jesus. The only way we can be satisfied is as we draw near to him. There is no satisfaction in the world. And listen you and i i know i mean if you're anything like me i chase rabbits all the time right not literal rabbits okay but i i chase this direction and i go this direction and it's a it's a constant battle of going different directions and trend and things drawing you and it's so hard to stay focused but it's so easy for us to find ourselves on this on this off path and going after things that's not going to bring us joy and hope and peace like jesus does and we end up partaking of scraps instead of partaking of the, of the feast that Christ would have us to partake of in Him. We become satisfied with expectation of, of, of partaking of scraps instead of expecting God to do and to move as only God can do. I mean, don't we? I mean, we, we, we come and we, uh, you know, and I've asked this before, you know, what do you expect when you come to church? And, and the reality is, is that a lot of times we expect kind of probably like it's going right now, right? Like we, we expect things to be done a certain way. We expect to be in the seats. We expect for him to, to say some things, someone from the pulpit. But but the, the reality is you look at the church and acts oftentimes, and we've been talking about this a lot, is that what God does doesn't always line up with our expectation. So the question is, are we are we satisfied with just expecting bare minimum or do we really want to take a step in faith and say, God, please do and move and work as only you can. We want to be right in line with where you are, regardless of what that means for us. Where, what are we joining ourselves to? We see, we see that he's joining himself to someone, a citizen of that country. But then there's this moment. And I, th- I think this is for us. This is where the challenge really comes. In verse number 17, he says this, And when he came to himself, he said, How many hired servants of my father's have bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger? I will arise and go to my father and will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee, and am no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. There's this 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 pivotal moment, and, and it's a moment that every single one of you and all those that are online and everybody that hears this. It's a moment that we all have, right? Like, like he comes to a realization. He almost like uh, snaps to uh, you know he he kind of wakes up and he realizes where he is, and he and he starts thinking about his father, and he knows that that all that are for his father are taken care of, and he starts thinking about that. And you and I, so many times, God is faithful in His word to reveal truth to us to really convict us, to really, to really drive us to do something and call us to do something for him. But we reach that pivotal moment where we have to say, are we gonna move? Are we gonna humbly come back to the feet of the Father? Or are we gonna continue to be content right where we are? Do you see that with the prodigal son? Could have he had stayed right there in the pig, with the pigs? Yes, he could have. But there was that pivotal moment Whenever he realized that all that his father had to offer was there, but he just needed to humbly come back to him. And you see, followers of Christ, those that are believers here today, those that aren't here today, all the answers that we are looking for is found at the feet of the Father. And it doesn't it doesn't matter what you've done in your life, it doesn't matter how short you've fallen, it doesn't matter how long. If you say it's been a long time since I've been where God wants me to be, and I know that and He's been convicting me, it doesn't matter how long that that's been. He's the father that's the king of kings and he's above all, right? Like he loves so intimately and incredibly. He is such a good father and we're gonna find that that if you and I will run to the arms of the father, there will be forgiveness and love that is found in the arms of the father. And I love this passage because I love this part in particular because he he comes to this point and when you have walked away for God, is it, is it hard to come back and admit all that you've done against him? It's hard to come back sometimes, isn't it? It's hard to come back with humility. It's hard to, uh, to come back because honestly, uh, doesn't, don't we, you know, for me, I'm ashamed. You know, when it comes to confessing sin, how many times do you confess a sin that you've done against God and you're ashamed to say it even though God already, already knows it? I mean, there's been multiple times in my life like that where I'm like, God, I know you've been so much better to me than this. I know that you deserve better from me. I know that I'm making a big mistake. I know you already know what it is, but I don't want to say it out loud because I'm so embarrassed by what I've done against you. But I think about the prodigal son, and if you, if you think about him, you look and you see that he, he starts thinking about this, and there's kind of an invitation, decision point here for him that he's like, what is he going to do? Is he going to stay Or is he going to draw near to the Father? And I believe the same invitation is for you today as well. And for me. What are we going to do? Are we going to take a next step and and draw near to God? Are we going to say, look, God, I know that you deserve more. I know that I can give more. I know that you have called me for more. I know that you have laid this on my heart and I haven't done it. I know that I should have repented. I know that I've walked away from you and be willing to humbly come to his throne and cry out to the Father of love and forgiveness and say, please, Lord, forgive me. Please draw me near. Are we going to do that or are we going to be content? Like not like the prodigal but are we going to be content to stay and be satisfied where we are when God has so much more for you so he starts looking around I will arise and go to my father and will say to him father I have sinned against heaven and before thee and am no more worthy to be called thy son make me as one of thy hired servants and let me tell you that we will never feel worthy to be called his son but that's what makes the Father incredible. Is that he doesn't, he doesn't look at you and I and expect us to do something worthy because Jesus has already done everything that we need. But what He does expect us is to just is, is to surrender our life to Him, sacrificially turning our life over to Him. That's, that's, his, that's what He wants us to do. He wants us to come to Him in love, but He doesn't expect you to get everything right. He doesn't expect you. If you could get everything right, then we would have no need for Jesus, right? But you and I can't get everything right. So a lot of times we put all this pressure on ourselves and we say, hey, if we make a decision, if we come forward and pray, then people are going to see that and we're going to be accountable. What if we miss it? What if we don't get it right? And let me tell you from someone that has missed it often, he is a very forgiving father. He is a very loving Father, and even though you may come and God may be laying and saying something to you and saying, hey, I want you to do this for me. I'm calling you for this. I want you to make this decision, even though you may think to yourself, but what if I mess it up? Don't let that hold you back because we all mess it up. But we have a great rescuer that never messed anything up. We find redemption, we find freedom, we find strength. Listen, if we did anything without the power of his spirit and his guidance and his strength, then it would all be failures. We can only do anything in him. And so many times I think we get nervous about, about taking that step and saying, what if I can't do it, right? What if, what, if, what if I volunteer for this and it's harder than what I think that it's gonna be? What if I take the step and say, look, I want the church to pray for me because I'm really struggling. What if I, if I do poorly with the thing I'm struggling with and they see it? What if I'm a burden to the church by asking for prayer? What? And we have all these what ifs, but one thing that we can see, look at what the prodigal son did, but we know that if he just comes back to the father the father has the answer for all the things that he's done that caused him to go astray but he has to make he has to make the step to go back do you see that? He's got he's to say, look, I'm going to go back. You know, it doesn't just happen by us, us sitting there and waiting just like a car doesn't fix ourselves by us just wishing it to be done. It has to be taken to someone that can fix it. And then for us in our spiritual life, it's not going to happen if we just continue to say, well, I need to do it. I need to do it. I know he's leading me. But we sit there and we don't ever come back to him. If the prodigal son had never went back, where would he have stayed? He probably would have remained right where he was. There's a decision point that he had to make and say, I'm going to go back. And I'm going to go back even if that means that I just go back as a servant. Because you know what? Isn't it a privilege to be a servant of the Most High God? You know, you don't have to call us. You know, know, we don't have to be called anything special. We don't have to have any special title. We don't have to be known ourselves as uh, in the world as anything special. But oh, what a glorious thing to be known as a servant of the most high God. Lord, just help me to, let me just to know you. Help me just to see you. Just just allow me to do anything. I'll do anything for all that you've done for me. I'll lay my life down. He says, I don't even expect to go back and be treated as a son. If it's only a servant, that's fine. I just need to go back to my father. The desperation to go back. And in verse 20, we, we, we begin to see the glorious view of the father. And I'm gonna hold it together, maybe. And he arose and came to his father. Nope, not gonna happen. But, but when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him. And, and, and just so we can know this, he saw him, but, but this is the one that took every, all his inheritance and went and spent it awry. Like, he saw him, though. Like, isn't it incredible to know the Father can, will see you? Right where you are. You don't have to be perfect. You don't have to be cleaned up. But he sees you where you are. He loves you where you are. He died for you where you are. God committed his love toward us. And that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. It wasn't we had to get cleaned up first. He sees you where you are. And this son had, had just spent and wasted Everything everything and he comes back and his father is waiting for it's like it's like he was so looking and longing and desiring for him to come back even though he had done what he had done he still wanted him back even though you and i have done what we've done he still wants you he still loves you the savior still died for you isn't that incredible so the, the, the father is there and he comes back and I would imagine he didn't expect the response from the father like we don't expect for the Savior to redeem us and do what he's done for us. But look, he comes back and his father saw him and had compassion and ran. Look, this was not just a, a casual hug. This was, I, I am running. The father is the one running. Running, long suffering, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. The father desires to know you, to forgive you, to love you, to have a relationship with you. The father is running to the prodigal son. What what an incredible picture! And fell on his neck and kissed him. And, And the son said unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in thy sight and am no more worthy to be called thy son. But the father said to his servants, bring forth the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring hither the fatted calf and kill it and let let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead and is alive again, then was lost and is found and they began to be merry." The father, the son says, Father, I am unworthy. I have, I have sinned against you. The father doesn't even acknowledge that. He's just ready to celebrate. Do you see that? He doesn't stop and say, hey, let me bring up everything that you've done. Let me remind you in case you've forgotten. Let me drag you through the mud and remind you that you ran off, that you took your inheritance, that you spent it all. He doesn't do any of that. Because when we come to the father with repentant hearts, what's he do? He forgives. And he forgives in such a way that we so often can't, where he doesn't hold it and dangle it over your head and say, hey, but you remember when you did this? No, he doesn't do that. But he embraces you and he loves you and he forgives you and he forgets about it. Because it's been paid for by the blood of the Savior, by the blood of the Lamb. The father continues in the celebration even as the son is repenting and he says, I've sinned. And his expectation, he doesn't know what to expect. But the father is ready. The father is rejoicing. The father is forgiving. And the father is celebrating because the lost son has come back. He is alive. He has returned home. In chapter 15 of Luke, there's multiple occasions where it tells us, even leading up to this passage, how excited the Lord gets when one of the, his children, one of the, somebody repents and returns home, when the lost is found. But church, let me, let me say this to you today. The picture of the father and the prodigal son is a beautiful picture of our father and the way the father loves you and me. It's a beautiful picture. And so many times, we, we, we kind of get our minds, we look, we're looking at other fields, we're joining ourselves to another country, we're, we're all over the place, we're thinking to ourselves, Lord, but if I make this decision, what if I mess it up? You know, and we, we have all these excuses that keep us seat, seated right where we are that keep us in the same pattern that we are, that keep us satisfied right in the place that we are, that don't allow for us to move forward or advance or to take a next step or to draw near because we say, look, but I don't want to mess it up and I don't want to embarrass myself and what if I fail and all these other things. But let me tell you today that the father that we serve is just like this father. This, this is an example of our father. The prodigal son, did he mess it up? Yes, incredibly, right? Like, like he, even, he took his inheritance and he squandered it. He messed it up royally. But here's the thing about the Father. If we come back to him in repentance, if God is drawing you maybe for salvation today and you say, look, I've just been waiting and waiting and I know that I need to, but, but, but what if I don't say the right thing or do the right thing? And we have all these excuses. Look, this is the picture of the Father for you today. And open arms, running to you, wanting you to come home. He's a father that loves you. He's not a father that when you repent and you cry out to him, that's going to drag you through every sin that you've done in your life for all eternity. He's a father that's going to forgive that sin and he's going to forget about that sin and he's going to give you the strength to move on. But maybe you're here today and you can say, God is calling me into a deeper walk with him. God is calling me for more than what I'm doing. I can feel it. I know it. As I see him, as I learn him, as I see his spirit move and feel his presence, I, I know that he, he wants more from me. He's calling me for more, but I just don't know where to start. I just don't know how to do it. I just don't know if I can do it. Let me tell you, there is always room in the arms of the Father, Right? But just like the prodigal son, it doesn't happen if you and I just stay right where we are and become satisfied where we are and say, Lord, just come to me where I am because that's not the way that it works. We need to run to him and bow at his feet and cry out to him and then we will see him respond like he responded to the prodigal son because he is a loving father to each and every one of us. And so as we think about... These things, as we think about sharing our faith and sharing Jesus and, and what we're called to do as a church, I wanted to, I want my heart, God has placed on my heart that we need to see Jesus. We need to see. We need to see God. I believe with all my heart, the greater, the more clearly you see him for who he is, the more bold and on fire and driven you're gonna be and in love with him you're gonna be in everything you do as you serve him but you have to see him We have to stop looking at other fields. We have to stop joining ourselves to people of this country. We have to understand that God has more for us than what we oftentimes end up settling with. There are greater expectations. There are more things that He desires from us. And we have to be willing ourselves to get up and to run to the feet of the Father. We have to build. You don't have to get up. You can fall right where you are. Wherever you are, you can go into the presence of God. And God will greet you with open arms, with loving arms. He won't leave you where you are. He will do things in your life that no one else can do. But we have to be diligent to come into his arms. So our invitation today is this. As Andrew, as Andrew comes, what, what, has, what has God been working on your heart with? How has he been working? How has he been leading you? You know, have you found yourself being content with just a, a minimal expectation of what God wants to do in his church and in your life? Have you been content just coming and hanging out? Or just, has God really been working on your heart and saying, I want more for you. I have more for you than just the slop. I have more for you than just this. I want more. I want to love you and know you and be near you. Has God been working in your heart that way? And then the challenge is, will you be found faithful to come into his arms? Whether that's coming to his arms with repentance or coming to his arms with surrender, I don't know what it is for you today. But I, I think that the word cries out to us and says, there is more. Do you see it? I want, there is more. I love you. I want you to come. But we have to be willing to do it. So as we stand today with heads bowed and eyes closed, I just want to challenge you with that. This story of the prodigal son cries out of the pages of the Scripture to us and just shows us the glory of the Father. It cries out of the pages of the Scriptures to us and says, look, it doesn't matter what you've done. Don't let your past life or your past sins hold you back from doing what God would have you to do right now in this moment. There is nothing more important in this life than Him. And if there is an area in your life where you say, look, I I know I'm not doing what I need to do. I know I've gotten off track. I know I'm not focused. I know I've been looking at other fields. I've been joining myself to other people more than I'm joining myself to my Savior. Know that the father in the story of the prodigal son and the way that he greets is the same way that the father will greet you today if you will just run to him. He runs right he wants to love you he wants to forgive you will you be faithful to come will you be found faithful today dear Heavenly Father Lord we just come to you father I just we just rejoice in the picture of the glorious father we see in this prodigal son story Lord, and I know that many out here know and many online know that you are a father just like that. Oh Lord, the mistakes that we've made, how short we've fallen and come, but you're such a good forgiver. You know us, you love us. And you are just incredible in our lives. Lord, I pray that we would, we would always be a people in a church that, that don't just settle for uh, second best, that don't settle for just our generalized expectations, Lord, but always just long to really be in your arms. Like, even if, Father, we, we find ourselves off track, we know that there's forgiveness in your arms. We know that there's, there's re- restoration in your arms. We know that you make all the difference in our life. Lord, please help us never to hide behind excuse but always to to be diligent to run into your arms. Lord, I just pray that through your Spirit's work and, and through you moving today, that you would do what only you could do, God. Mold us and make us, please, into what you would have us to be. And we love you, and it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.